you now take your program and open up, uh, turn to the study outline for today. And as you're doing that, we want to welcome all of you who are watching online with us. And we're glad that you're here. This morning, Pastor Glenn is preaching in uh, Indiana at our church plant, uh, Josh Hoosman's church, uh, Mercy Road. And so that's where he is today. And uh, those of you NBA fans that uh, when I said Indiana wondered if he made it to the Heat uh, Pacer game last night, he didn't, although he wanted to be there, uh, wasn't able to be there, uh, but he'll, he'll be back next week. And I'm excited that I get the privilege of beginning this new series for him, and he'll be back next week uh, to continue that. He's entitled the series, The Former, and it's a study of the Ten Commandments, and the, the title of the series comes from Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. It says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Uh, He's referring to the tithe that they paid and paid so close attention to the details. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. See, there were these teachers of the law and the Pharisees who Jesus was talking to, and they were hyper-focused on obeying every letter of the law. But they were neglecting justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And so this series, I believe, is so relevant for Christ followers today, for each of us today, because it seems that it's so easy for us to get out of balance. When we look at the instructions and commands of God's word, it's easy for us to get focused on or hyper-focused on half of it and miss out and neglect the other half. For the last 50 years or so in North American church, many Bible-believing churches are focused on on teaching about Jesus and at the same time neglected justice and mercy. And that's what I love about Pastor Glenn and the the ministries of our church. As you you know that that it's, it's our priority to lead people to Jesus Christ and to teach God's word from the Bible. And at the same time, we're not neglecting the ministries of justice and mercy. In fact, you see as you look in your program or you hear the announcements, you know that, that our, our ministries of justice and mercy in the community around us and, and across the globe are increasing. Uh, just this Sunday, Pastor Tomiko is teaching a class on, on God's heart for justice. And, and this month, as every month, we have a, a monthly homeless meal and clothing ministry here in the community. And, and daily, uh, weekly, we, we uh, have a food ministry As you can see, as you heard, uh, we're participating to to reach those who are in need from the the hurricane or the tornadoes in in Oklahoma. So God, we're we're following after not neglecting God's heart for justice and mercy. But notice in in Matthew 23 that Jesus doesn't criticize the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees for their observance of the law. In fact, he says, They shouldn't be neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness, but he says they should practice those things without neglecting the former, without neglecting the observance of the law. And this is why this series is so relevant for us, because as our church gives increasing focus to justice and and mercy, uh, we need to make sure that we don't get out of balance and, and lose and neglect our focus on the former on the other half of God's instructions, on on living out his commands in our daily lives. 
And now that's a picture of this series. It uh, gives you an idea of this series in some theological terms. But for those of you who would like something a little more concrete, uh, I have a word picture that might be helpful for you. How many of you in past summers or, or planning for this summer have uh, done a, a road trip of some kind with a car or van or RV? Okay. Uh, as, and just I want you to imagine with me that as you prepare for that road trip, uh, that you are uh, all over uh, following the guidelines in the owner's manual. You know, you take uh, great uh, attention to detail and you get the right oil and the right oil filter and you have it uh, topped off right at the right levels and you change the oil at the right time. You've got that radiator, it's all clean and it's got the mix of water and coolant and and you on and on, you follow all the steps in the owner's manual to make sure you're ready uh, for that road trip. But let's say at the same time, you decide that you're gonna ignore all the rules of the road. And you decide that instead of driving on the right side of the highway, you're going to drive on the wrong side of the highway on that trip. And, uh, and you've got a friend of yours. You decide that, that uh, you know, um, uh, after dark, you don't need lights. You know, you'll just drive without lights. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the way you're going to approach the trip. Let's say you approach it that way. Or let's say vice versa. Let's say that you uh, follow all the rules of the road. But you decide, you know, the owner's manual and all those guidelines in there, it's kind of an old document. You know, I don't need to follow that. And, and you got a friend of yours who says, you know what, here's some ideas on how you can save some money. You know, you, you, the radiator, it's smaller and it, and it doesn't need to be filled as often. So why don't you put the gasoline in the radiator and, uh, you know, that, that gas tank, you can just put water in there. And, you know, that way it's going to be cheaper. There's water everywhere. Uh, and so you can save some money. So... If you think about it, you know, even if you don't know anything about cars, if you think about approaching a road trip that way, you know that it's not going to be safe or enjoyable or you're not going to get to your destination. Now, some of you I saw writing down those ideas, tips for saving money, scratch those off. That's not going to work. You don't want to take that as your application for this morning. But those of us, even if we know nothing about cars, we wouldn't set out on a, a road trip that way. Yet that's what we do with God's word. As we think about navigating the life of faith and following after God's word, oftentimes we neglect half of his instructions. And so um, that's what we want to look at. So if you want to take this idea of the road trip and you think about the owner's manual uh, as God's law and his commands and the rules of the road as justice and mercy, let me give you Matthew 23. I'll give you a paraphrase for you. Woe to you, owner's manual legalists. You make sure all the fluid levels are correct to the smallest degree, but you neglect to drive on the right side of the highway and you don't turn your lights on at night. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So throughout this year and every year, Pastor Glenn has been teaching uh, from God's word, emphasizing both the former and the latter. We don't want to neglect the former as we continue to look for God's heart for justice and mercy. And so whether you've never been through a a series of teaching from the Ten Commandments before, or you've been through dozens and dozens of of teachings on the Ten Commandments, I'd ask you to to ask God to open your eyes and your hearts and your ears to, to hear from Him of what He has for you through this series and how He wants to transform our lives through this series. The Ten Commandments are found in uh, first time in Exodus chapter 20. And if you want to turn to that or look in your, your outline, the first four commands. Commands one through four teach us how to relate to God. And then commands five through ten teach us how to relate to one another. And so each week, Pastor Glenn is going to dig into one of these commands. And so let's dive into the first one today. Exodus 20, verse 1. 
And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Why did God give this command? Uh, we, we need to recognize the context of, of this command that he gave uh, to the people. At this time in history, all nations and all people had gods, small g, gods that they, they followed after and they worshipped. Now when we hear that, they worshipped false gods or they worshipped gods, we think of it as religious activity, something in the spiritual realm. But for them, it was just daily life. When they came up against things that they, could, they knew they couldn't control, uh, just life itself and, uh, or fertility or crops or rain or any of those things, they turned to gods for those things that they couldn't control themselves. And so in the midst of that historical setting that encouraged devotion to many gods and, and every nation had its own brand of gods, the God of Israel demands a, a single-minded allegiance. You shall have no other gods before me. So why did he do this? Uh, Was he afraid of the competition? Was he jealous of those other gods? Uh, No. I want to give you a few quick reasons that you can fill in on your outline uh, of why God alone deserves our worship and why he gives us his command. The first is that he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Now, now the word worthy, it's, it's a word that, that shows up in the language of the church. It's in our songs and in our prayers. Often we refer to God or, or Jesus as, as worthy. Uh, but what does that mean? It means that God alone has intrinsic worth. That God alone is, is, has worth and value uh, in himself. You see, the rest of us, everyone else and everything else, we get our worth, our value from God. But God is the only one who is worthy. He's the only one who has intrinsic value and worth himself. The Bible teaches that uh, as, as men and women and boys and girls, we are made in God's image. And so the Bible does teach us that we are, are people of, of great value and great worth. But that worth and that value comes from our association, our connection with the God who made us. So all of our worth, all of our value, all of our dignity is derived from God. Only God derives his value from no other source himself, but himself. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So the, the, Moses is saying, I'm going to go to the Israelites and say, God told me to tell you this. And they're going to say, Well, which one? We know about all these gods, so which one are you talking about? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. God says, I am who I am. He alone derives his his value, his existence, his dignity, his worth from himself. He alone is worthy. The second thing we see is that he alone is the creator. He alone is the creator. Uh, We see in, in Job chapter 38, uh, a great picture of this as, as we recognize that, that God alone, the, the true living God of the Bible, is the only one that could call forth creation out of nothing. And, and in Job, as, as Job, the Old Testament patriarch, had lost his, his family and his health and his wealth, and he, he was beginning to question God. And here God says to Job, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. 
who marked off its dimensions, surely you know, who stretched a measuring line across it, on, on what were its footings set, or who laid its cornerstone? Have you ever given orders to the morning, or shown the dawn its place? Have you journeyed to the springs, or the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons? Or lead out the bear with its cubs? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Job uh, chapter 40 verse 2. After, after continuing dialogue with, with God about creation, God says, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? As God says, he's, he alone is the creator. He alone is, is, uh, has the, the power. And so who are we to question his existence or to put other things in the place that only God deserves in our lives? His power, his sovereignty uh, is shown through creation. And so we worship God because he alone is worthy, because he alone is the creator, and thirdly, because he alone redeems us. If you look back again at, at verse 2 of, of Exodus chapter 20, God is going to introduce the Ten Commandments. And when, he, when he's going to do that, he says, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. And he starts into the commands. You see, before God laid out the commandments to his people, he's reminding them of, of who he is and what he represents to them. He's reminding them that, you know, just a short time ago, you were slaves. You were enslaved for, for 400 years. You were crushed and, and, and humiliated and, and uh, treated as, as, a, as property and, and as slaves. And, and yet, and I'm the one who came to redeem you. I'm the one who sent Moses to come and, and bring the plagues so that you would be ensured to be released. I'm the one who, who parted the Red Sea so that you could walk across safely on dry land. I'm the one who, who drowned the Egyptian army so you could walk to freedom. Remember? Did, did Baal, God saying, did Baal do that for you? Did, did the foreign god Moloch do that for you? Did any other god do that for you? No, I alone God's reminding them, have the power to deliver you. I'm the one who delivered you from slavery. Why would you waste time, God is saying, worshiping any other God? In the New Testament, we see Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, Paul says, in view of God's mercy, in view of his redeeming power, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, that is your true and proper worship. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper later in the service and the ultimate reminder of God's redeeming power poured out on the cross as Jesus gave his life so that we could be redeemed, be brought back to God in a right relationship with him, here uh, to experience life in its fullest here on earth and life eternal with him. God demands our, our worship, uh, that we worship him alone because he alone is worthy, because he alone is the creator he alone is the Redeemer. And then there's one more practical reason. And that is that it's for our own good. 
You see, bowing down to any other God uh, but the true and living God is like hugging a mannequin. You know, it's, it's, it can't respond. It can't produce anything. It can't offer anything to anyone. And Psalm 115 contrasts the power of God with the, the impotence of, of any kind of false God that we might worship. But, I, but their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. In modern day language, the, the, the psalmist in Psalm 115 says, don't be a fool. He's saying, you know, you're going to come to twists and turns in your life where you're going to have crises where you're going to come up against uh, things that you can't face alone, where where you're going to have needs beyond your own capacity. And he's saying, if you call on the wrong God at those moments, you're not going to get an answer. You're not going to have what you need at those moments. You're not going to get any help. And in in Psalm 115, he's telling us that the one true God of the Bible is in contrast to what he describes in these foreign gods, that he is a, a living, responsive, active, dynamic, creative, hearing, seeing, touching, moving, loving God, the kind of God that we need, the kind of God that we want. The, uh, and following after him only is for our own good. God alone deserves our, our worship. And so at this point, you may be thinking, I, I get that. I, I understand that he alone uh, deserves our worship. And I, and I can see where the, the Israelites and the ancient Near East, they needed this command because they had all these carved images and idols and, and false gods that everybody worshiped. But, but what does it mean for us today? Why, why is it relevant? Or is it relevant for us today? My answer is a resounding yes. Because again, remember that the people of the ancient Near East, the, the worship of false gods was not some religious activity that they did once a week. It was, it was their daily life, their, their pursuit of, of life and of, of health and, and of all the things that they needed. And it's the same way for us today. This command is not so much about what we do when we're in a worship service like this. It's more about what we do in our everyday lives. And it's not so much about, uh, you know, we don't see people with uh, so much with, with images made of silver or, or carved out of wood. But instead, maybe it's success or security, or other things that creep into our lives for, for wanting status and creep into our lives and begin to take that place that only God should hold in our lives. Maybe it's the pursuit of, of popularity or, or pleasure or prosperity. Whatever it is in, in each of our lives that, that creeps in and begins to take over our concerns and our desires and takes that place that only God should occupy in our lives. It happens to all of us. As Christ followers, as we navigate the the life of faith with him, we need to be reminded that this is a command for us to live out in our daily lives, not just when we're in a time of worship. And so uh, as as I think about that struggle or that that idea of how these things creep creep into my life, I I came up with three questions that have been helpful for me and, and maybe helpful for you that can help us to determine if and when Something is creeping into that place that could become a a God that we worship. And the first question is, where does my mind go? Where does my mind go? Now, uh, the way I term that, it sounds like the question that Lori and Caleb and Emma and people close to me might might ask. when they think, he seemed like an intelligent guy, but where did his mind go? That's not what I mean by this. Uh, That's another issue. But what I'm referring to here is, when you ask the question, where does my mind go? We all... um, 
have much of our lives, our, our thoughts are sort of uh, have to be focused in a certain area. The tasks that we have, the responsibilities, the conversations, the deadlines, all those kinds of things. We, we focus on all those things, but there are times in our day, uh, maybe when you're, when you're driving or when you're walking or jogging or waiting in line or, or when, you, when you go to bed at night, there are those times where our minds are, are free to focus on, on whatever we choose to focus on. And the question is, at that time, uh, at those times, where does your mind roam to? Where does your mind go? What, is it, what does it focus on? What does it fix on? And if you think about our minds like the, the needle of, of, of this compass, you know, see, when you, when you take a compass, you can shake it up and, and you can turn around, but, but if, you, if you're still, it's always going to point, the needle's going to point to north. And uh, just just. To make sure there's no misunderstanding, when it, because I pulled out a compass uh, and I, I said those things, don't think that I really know anything about compasses. It, it's not like I'm a trained scout or anything like that. So I have to confess, uh, what I just told you is everything I know about a compass. And as, when it came to scouting, I respect scouting a great deal. And I tried to do scouting when I, in the middle of all the sports I was in uh, at that time in my life. And I lasted just long enough to go on one great trip and to fail miserably at the knot tying stuff. You know, I couldn't do any of that stuff. But, but the compass, whether we know anything about a compass, the compass reminds us that, that the needle is always going to point north. And it's the same way in our, our thought, the thoughts that we have. We're gonna, our, our thoughts are going to go all over the place, but the, the needle is always going to point to the objects of our greatest affection. That's going to point to those areas of our lives where things are creeping in and taking over that place that God might focus or should, be, should have in our lives. And so where does your mind settle? Is it, is it on your job, on relationships, on your health, on your dream car or house, on, on the pursuit of achievements or, or, or a position or recreation or sex or pleasure? Uh, where, where does your mind go to? Use this question during the week and, and use that picture of a compass and, and think, where are my thoughts pointing to? Where does your mind go? Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see, our minds, our thoughts will, will point in all these directions. Our minds are going to go those places. But when we have no other gods before the living God, then eventually it's going to point to our, our living true God and his desires and his commands and his instructions for our lives. The second question is, who am I trying to impress? Day after day, uh, month after month, year after year, we, we pour out our time and our energies and our ambitions on all kinds of pursuits in our lives. We study, we work, we, we save, we purchase. Uh, we, we have all of these things. And what for? Who are we trying to impress? That's another question that can help us determine the real gods in our lives that we're serving or worshiping. Others, uh, some, people, some people ask that question or answer that question and would say, you know what, I don't really care what other people think. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm just living for, for my goals and my desires and my dreams. And, and uh, many people would be honest in saying that. And in a sense, they have, uh, for all practical purposes, become their own god. It's their desires, their goals, their dreams that are, are, are ruling their life and that they worship. Others of us are, are people pleasers. And we may do all the right things. But the question is, 
uh, what do other people think? What are their expectations and their opinions? And we allow that to become the things that, that drives our decisions and our actions in our, in our life. And those, the, the uh, pleasing other people becomes a God to us. And so uh, I know that's a uh, temptation that I recognized early in ministry, that it was going to be a temptation to, to make decisions based on what would please others or what would other people think. And, and so John 5.44 became a verse for me that helped me uh, continually ask this question, who am I trying to impress? John 5.44, uh, Jesus says, uh, how can you say you believe when you make all these efforts to seek uh, the glory from one another? the praise from one another, yet you make no effort to please get the glory from the one and only true God. When we obey and apply the first command, we learn to be God-pleasers first and foremost. It doesn't mean that, that we uh, are in denial of the ambitions and the desires that we have. It just means that, that they don't control us. It doesn't mean that we ignore the opinions and the, the, the things that please the other people around us. But it means that they don't dictate our decisions and our behaviors. First and foremost, our focus is on impressing and pleasing the only true God. And then the third and final question is, what am I living for? And this question relates to the other two questions that we just had. They all interrelate. But this gets to the question of, of my priorities. What are my priorities for, for my schedule, for my calendar this week? What, are, what am I living for? What are my priorities for my budget, for what I'm spending this week? What, is, what, is, what do I wake up in the morning uh, that gets me going and that I dream about? What do I lie awake at night worrying about? What am I living for? Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Does the one true God really have first place in my life. That's, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. And if you go back to that road trip analogy that we started with, when you think about it, that, you know, there are some things in the owner's manual that are foundational that you've got to do right. You know, if you don't put gas in the tank, you're not going to have much of a road trip. And it's the same way as we think about navigating the life of faith, the adventure of faith that Christ has for each one of us as Christ followers. There's a, there, there are, as we navigate those twists and turns of life, there are some things that we need to start with foundationally in our lives. And when we come to the Ten Commandments, we realize that it wasn't just a random order that God put the Ten Commandments in. It wasn't just chance that this one comes first. The first commandment is given its place of prominence for a good reason. Because all of our efforts to, to move forward in life, all of our efforts to, to obey or to please God depend on beginning at this point, you shall have no other gods before me. Unless we're willing to acknowledge first and then deny our allegiance to anything else that might creep in and take the place that God alone is, is to have in our lives, then we'll never be able to navigate the life of faith and experience all that God created us to experience. And so today, when you get in your car to, to leave this morning, when you, when you get ready to go to sleep tonight, when you wake up tomorrow and you begin your week, think about these questions. Take a moment to ask, where are my thoughts pointing right now? Who am I trying to impress? What am I living for? Does the one true God really have first place in my life? Will you pray with me as we respond to what God's saying to us through his word this morning?
Lord, you are the, the one true loving God. And you alone deserve our worship. And that can be so clear when we're in a time of a worship service like this, when we encounter you in worship, but sometimes it becomes pretty unclear and muddled in our lives as we seek to, to live out day to day. So we ask you to, to captivate our minds and our hearts and draw us close to you so that we might clear away anything that might take that place that only you should take in our lives so that we might serve you fully with hearts falling fully after you. We'll give you all the praise and glory as we do. In Jesus' name, amen.